I'd like to run through the hours on your sheet. It's the top of the second side. So I have actually what's in each of the hours and what time it would be. So the third hour, uh, first to read our verse, from the sixth hour till the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. So darkness falls. The third hour would be 9 a.m. That's when they crucified him. Um, and probably the first things that Jesus said from the cross date to that time, like Father, forgive them and so forth. Um, fourth hour is 10 a.m., fifth hour, 11. Sixth hour, noon, is when darkness fell. That's the ninth hour. I'm sorry, yeah, sixth hour. Um, and that's why we have this church service that's a three-hour church service on Good Friday. It's those three hours of darkness, the treore. I don't know of any other church that does a treore in our fellowship. Do you? Anybody? Milwaukee or anything? I, I would, I, I kind of, I've kind of wondered if, if anybody in Michigan or Milwaukee does it. Anybody know of anything? Okay. Well, we've, I've been doing it now for 22 years. Um, and uh, although it adds to what you get to preach on, there's still so much to do. Um, I wonder if one year we should do not a three-hour, but a six-hour for the whole crucifixion. Can you imagine? Uh, the problem is, what do you call it? Because instead of treore, you'd have to call it a sexore, and I, maybe that wouldn't go over so well. I could move over to Greek and call it a hexore. That would, although, yeah, I don't know, that's almost as bad. But, uh, but uh, so seventh hour, one o'clock, still dark. Eighth hour, two o'clock, still dark. Ninth hour, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Or, depending on what preacher you listen to, lama sabachthani. Something like that. I've, I'm sure you've heard it all. I've heard some preachers really mangle that, because how do you say it? Um, and uh, um, I believe that if a preacher just says it with confidence and moves on, usually people will not worry about it too much. So... Naoko, you have a question or just, just stretching? That's okay. That's allowed. And by the way, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's, this fellow's calling for Elijah because he says, Eli, Eli. So they thought, and there was that prophecy in Malachi that Elijah will come. And by the way, when did they talk about that prophecy? At Passover. Because what do you do at Passover? You set an extra place setting at your Passover table in case Elijah shows up. So uh, they thought maybe he was calling for Elijah. But he wasn't. He was calling for the Father. And we'll, I'm going to talk about the seven words from the cross and get to that drawing in a, just a second here. Um, immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, and soaked it with sour wine. Um, that, why sour wine? Yeah, and because they're soldiers, they can't afford good wine. You know, they're just, this is, this is what they had. Um, they put it on a stick and gave him a drink, and the rest said, leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. So Jesus does accept the second drink. And the question is, why? Well, I think to, to, he, he'd been crucified for six hours. He had to clear his throat to say a couple more things. You know? 
You, you know, you can't swallow. There's no saliva left. He needed something. He needed to wet his whistle just to be able to say it is finished. So that's the best explanation I can give as to why he accepted the second drink. Um, but it certainly, if somebody were to, to accuse Jesus of lying about what he said at the, at the Lord's Supper, I will not eat of this bread and drink of this cup until I eat it with you again in paradise or in the kingdom. You know, is he taking the Lord's Supper here on the cross? No, no. He's getting a drink from a soldier. Yeah, Laura. Um, this one didn't, it wasn't mixed with gall, was it? No, probably just their own, whatever they had in their, I'll say, thermos. Yeah. It was exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. The gall was a drug to dull the senses, the pain in general, not just, I mean, all over the body, it would act like, but this one didn't have gall. I don't think so. I think this was just wine. So he could have, this one, he could have probably. Yeah. Actually, if, even if it would have had gall, he's minutes away from dying. It would it hardly would have even taken effect before he died. I would like to draw your attention to this. I don't remember the circumstances when I came up with this. It was recently. And I think it might have been during a hymn in church or something like that. That's why I have the letter E there drawn on the whiteboard. But this giant E, I use an E because it helps me remember the outline of the seven words from the cross. Okay? Um, and it's only a letter E because that matches the outline. It has nothing to do with anything starting with the letter E, okay? It's just that, that the three bars of the E match the beginning, middle, and end of his seven words because the beginning, middle, and end were things, excuse me, that Jesus said to God. So he starts with, Father, forgive them. In the middle, that's the middle bar of the E, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli. At the end, he says, Father, forgive them. Now, traditionally, we take those to be the first, fourth, and seventh of the seven words from the cross. Okay? Now, I need help from maybe Yana. Yana, do you know what days of the week come after Monday? Stop. Did you all hear her? That was perfect. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to put those into the, into the drawing now. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you remember those, if you can possibly remember those words, the first letter of those words tells you the other, the other words from the cross. That's okay. I love Space Invaders. <laughs> Let's, okay. So, uh, but it's the T-W, it's the T, the W, the T-H, and the F that form the other words from the cross. So after Father forgive them, he says, T of Tuesday, today you'll be with me in paradise. The W is for what? 
woman, behold your son. Then the TH of Thursday stands for? I thirst, or I'm thirsty. And the F, it is finished. Make sense? So this, this is the traditional pattern of the seven words from the cross. There are uh, some people out in the world who think that maybe the seven words were in slightly different order. That's fine. But this is the traditional order, and this is what I've found helps me remember the pattern of the seven words, this giant capital E with Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So if it's useful, it's useful. And part of it's on this, if you need it, it's on the, I left it on the whiteboard so I can move on, if that's okay with everybody. Or do you want to, is somebody writing it down? I'm, I'm okay with that. You're the birthday girl. You get to do whatever you want to. So. Okay. Yeah, Brenda. It's Brenda's birthday today. A gentleman would say nothing else except happy birthday. There you go. After Jesus cried out again, verse 50, with a loud voice, and that's probably where he said, um, it is finished, and Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, those two things. He gave up his spirit. Um, what does it mean for anyone to give up their spirit? To die. It kind of has two meanings. Um, to give up one's spirit, because spirit in Greek and Hebrew are the same words as breath in both languages. To give up one's spirit is also to kind of breathe one's last. You know? But also to give up the spirit, more importantly, is to release the soul from the body. So the spirit goes to heaven. This is, a, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Um, the spirit goes to heaven the body returns to the ground from which it came. You know. Yeah. Jesus gave up his life willingly. Yeah. He did not die medically, if you will. Uh, you can't have a loud voice uh, when you're asphyxiating with crucifixion. Interesting. Interesting. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a, that, like I said, there's a lot, there's all kinds of things to unpack here. But then 51, suddenly the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Before we even go to the second half of that verse, um, you tell me, what's happening when the temple curtain tears? Yeah, the sacred place was now no longer forbidden. So the curtain that divided was now ripped. There's no longer any division. Now, there's also a question of what was back there. You know, what was behind the curtain? Um, well, the Jews would say the presence of God. What was supposed to be behind the curtain that was in the days of Moses? The Ark of the Covenant, yeah. But the Ark of the Covenant hadn't been behind the curtain for a very long time. Um, 
The last reference we have in the Bible to the Ark of the Covenant is in the days of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. That's a thousand years before the time of Christ. And two temples. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot that goes on uh, between them. Where is the ark today? That's, and without even going into wonderful 1980s movies, um, I just, I'll just leave it at that. But, but uh, uh, Laura? Is there a significance that the Yeah, it wasn't just a little rip. And we don't just have partial access. It was torn from top to bottom. It's all the way in. Very probably, yeah, it would, it, would, it would tear from bottom to top. Yeah, yeah. It was also too thick for a person to, to tear. Um, the width of the temple curtain was a span. That's that thick. That thick. Well, there, it's wool. Uh, there, there's, it, I mean, that it's, or some aspect of wool. I mean, you, you can make wool into all kinds of things, but wool, I mean, besides wool, what do you have? Felt, you know? But very, very thick felt is really hard to tear. Very, very thick wool is really hard to tear. And this would have been probably layers upon layers. Um, and, uh, but it was, that's, that's what the thing was, was made from. And, um, yeah, and probably the curtain itself was very old. Um, when did this... Well, no, let me take that back. What is the history of the temple? The tabernacle made by Moses in the wilderness um, is damaged, at least, in the time of Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant is taken away, captured by the Philistines. And then after that, between the time, between Samuel's young years and Samuel's old years, so in that, how many years is that? 30 years between young and old? 40? Too, too few, um, he said profoundly, having just had a birthday himself. Uh, uh, but uh, the tabernacle got kind of taken in pieces different places. And it ends up going from Shiloh to Bethel. Um, or for a while, it actually went, went to Nob, actually, for a little while, and then and in David's time. And when they get the most of the tabernacle, the tent, the altar, at least, and the tent is put back together in, at the beginning of David's reign. David tries to bring back the Ark of the Covenant when it got returned, but he can't do it. And so David never put the ark back in the tabernacle. David put the ark into a new tent next to his house. He brought it to Jerusalem next to his own home. So he had a tent there in the city and he assigned two high priests. One up at, the, at where the tabernacle was in Bethel or Nob or whichever one it was at, and one down by him in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant was. And it didn't get brought back together again until Solomon built the first temple. 
And then what happened was Solomon brought the old, the pieces of the old tabernacle, uh, he brought them to Jerusalem. He didn't just leave them out there in the world to rot. And I believe, this is not scriptural, but I believe, because I would have done it if I were Solomon, I believe Solomon brought the pieces in, can I say reverently, and put them in some of the storerooms in the temple itself. That would make them, wouldn't it, make the most sense of what do we do you know, when they, when they moved the tabernacle, they had to roll up the pieces and carry it and the Levites, I think they did that and brought it back to the temple and put it in the storerooms because we don't need it anymore. We have a temple now. But that's when the Ark of the Covenant got put into the Holy of Holies. But Solomon's reign, the Ark was back and the beginning of Rehoboam's reign, the Ark was back. And after that, we don't know. Um, Jerusalem was attacked more than once and ransacked by people who pillaged the city and took the stuff away. And it's very likely that the Ark, because the, the Ark certainly wasn't there, you know, when the Romans pillaged it in 70, they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant, and so it was already gone. So whatever happened to it. Um, I have sometimes wondered when I was doing research for, um, when I was working through the book of Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah ends up going to a place in Egypt called uh, Tophanes. And there, there's a legend there in Egypt that there was a duplicate of the temple that was built in Egypt. And they had their own Ark of the Covenant. Well, could it be that that was the Ark of the Covenant? Because actually there's a, there's a, there's a city in, in, in southern Egypt or northern Sudan today that still claims that they have the original Ark of the Covenant. They bring it out for a parade every once in a while. And so do they have it? I don't know. But let's, moving on with just, just with the verse. Um, the earth shook and rocks were split. Um, so an earthquake. Well, this, why? The creator just died. So that the, the ground shakes and the rocks split open. And this is a monumental event unlike any other. I mean, there have been massive earthquakes um, in the world. Anybody besides me here ever been in one? Yeah? How, was it a bad one or a minor one? Bad enough? It's in a 10-story building. Ooh, 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 okay. Bad enough. Bad enough. Naoko, in, in where, where were you? In Japan, whoa. Really? Mine was 6.8. Uh, uh, but I was in a one-story, I, I mean a, a split-level two-story home, but I permanently hurt my ankle during that earthquake. Um, Kath and I were there. It's called, you can Google it. It's called the Nisqually earthquake. People died in, uh, on Ash Wednesday, 2001. We were packing to come here. I had just gotten the call to St. Paul's and, the, and an earthquake hit. Um, the folks at the local high school, if you've ever heard of Evergreen Lutheran High School, they had a basketball tournament going on uh, and uh, the floor of the, of the gym, the ripples of the earthquake sent waves through the floorboards. You could see the waves move the floor up and down and knocked over all the, all the boys and the cheerleaders of, in this basketball game at, at Evergreen Lutheran High School. And um, 
No, my wife and I had just put all of our valuables and dishes into boxes to move. So, you know, a, a packed box goes, and okay, you know, but, but a few other things. But uh, we had been told if there's ever an earthquake, go stand under a, under a door frame. So I looked around, I picked up my son, Benjamin, the, my, our toddler at the time, and the nearest door frame was down a flight of steps. And so panicking, not panicking, not knowing what to do, I ran down a flight of steps during a major earthquake and I wrenched my ankle so badly that it brought back an old injury from when I fell off a house when I was a painter. And, it, and, and to this day, I can't sit in a movie theater unless I'm on the aisle. I got to have my leg out, you know, because it hurts so bad. Once in a while, you see me limping. That's just all it is. Don't even ask me if I'm limping. Pastor, you okay? No, I'm not. It was an earthquake. I fell off a house. You know, so it's... <laughs> That's, that's what's going on there. We're, we're actually um, out of time. We're going to stop here. Um, and before we go on to the tombs being opened and so forth. Um, but with regard to the tombs open and the dead coming out, um, have any of you ever heard a sermon preached on just that passage? I've waited my whole life to hear somebody preach on that. And I realized this morning, oh, maybe I should. Because uh, otherwise I'm going to wait and wait and wait and no one's ever going to do it. So we'll see. Maybe next year I'll preach on the tombs like the Sunday after Easter or something like that. The other resurrections or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. God bless you all. And, uh, and again, um, wow, thank you for letting me do this. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.